Hello, I'm Erica Lacasse, and welcome to the Messy Messianic Mama podcast. Today I'll be talking about Hanukkah, why we celebrate it, how we celebrate it, and what in the world is Hanukkah. Stay tuned for some hope, healing, and maybe some laughs. Welcome. Today is Monday, December 7th, 2020. And this week, starting at sunset on Thursday, will be the first day of Hanukkah. Now, Hanukkah means dedication, and the festival is called the Feast of Dedication, or also the Festival of Lights. It lasts eight days, and typically it's in November or December. So, this is not one of the holy days that God set forth in the law or the Torah, Um, It was first celebrated in 168 BC during the times of the Maccabees, which makes sense because that's actually what they're commemorating during Hanukkah, which is something we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about um, what Hanukkah means to us as Messianic believers, but also what Hanukkah means for the Jewish people and also um, how we celebrate Hanukkah, at least in my family. So... I do want to give um, credit where credit is due. I'm actually going to be reading um, portions of a book called Celebrating Our Messiah in the Festivals by Susan Mortimer. If you don't have this book, I suggest you go to Amazon and and grab it. It has been monumental in helping my family um, during the feast, especially when we did not actually go to a synagogue because there wasn't one around us and there was no one else who was Messianic. And I don't necessarily agree with everything she has to say, but once again, like I talked about in my previous podcast, you're never going to agree with somebody 100%. So um, if you do get the book, you know, take what you need and leave what you don't. So the story of the Maccabees and Hanukkah. All of you, I'm sure, are familiar with someone named Alexander the Great. Um, In just three years, he conquered the known world. His goal was to Hellenize his empire. This means that he wanted to unify everyone by spreading the Greek language and culture everywhere. He unfortunately died young, and his empire was divided among his four top generals. Now, fast forward a few years later, um, one of the heirs to one of the four generals was Antiochus IV. Um, He wanted to reunite the great empire of Alexander with himself, of course, as emperor. So he tried to force everyone to accept the Greek culture. He called himself Antiochus Epiphanes. That is Antiochus, the manifestation of God. And to me, that is a huge error on his part. Um, how, how prideful can you get um, when you literally are calling yourself that? Um, so he expected to be worshipped as a god. However, the common people found him to be brutal and evil. So they called him Antiochus Epiphany, which means Antiochus the Mad. Obviously, with Antiochus trying to force everyone to conform to the Greek culture, the Jewish people did not care for that. Um, In fact, Antiochus went further and he decided on December 5th, 15th, I'm sorry, 168 BC, also known as Kislev, um, he desecrated the temple by placing an idol of Zeus carved with his own face near the altar in the courtyard. On Kislev 25th or December 25th, for the birthday of Zeus, that's right, Zeus's birthday is on December 25th, he sacrificed a pig on the altar and sprinkled its blood in the Holy of Holies. 
therein fully desecrating the temple of the Most High God. Now, Antiochus was constantly terrorizing the Jewish people, and he tried to force them to forsake their covenant with God. Anyone who had a scroll of scripture or who kept the Sabbath, also known as Shabbat, or the feast was executed. Women who circumcised their sons were killed along with their babies. On the 25th of each month, priests were forced to sacrifice pigs on altars in every town in Israel. And the townspeople were commanded to participate in the pagan sacrifice by eating the meat. Obviously, this horrified the Jewish people, for God's law said that pigs were unclean and were not to be eaten or used as a sacrifice. Under Antiochus, anyone who refused to participate was tortured and killed. Another kind of side note, when my grandfather died, I inherited all of his books, whether it was because nobody else wanted them um, or something else. I, I got to have them. And I still have them now. In fact, I'm planning on my son, my oldest son, Zion, would like to have them in the event of my untimely demise. And one of the the books that he gave us actually is a, it's a full set of the Britannica Encyclopedia. And I decided, you know what, I'm going to actually use one of my grandfather's books and I'm going to look up the Maccabees. And so that's what I, I did. And my kids saw me using this big book. And they said, why don't you just Google it? And I said, I'm not Googling it. I'm going to actually use this book. And honestly, it is such, it had such a great wealth of information. I learned so many things about the Maccabees that I didn't actually know. And one of the things that I learned about Antiochus in correlation with the Jews during this time period is, you know, when the woman was circumcised their babies and they were executed well if they did circumcise their babies and no one found out one of the things that Antiochus put into place was a thing called gymnasia so instead of being allowed to to observe the sabbath and being able to um read the the law of Moses read the torah read God's word they were he wanted to basically have everyone conform to the greek way of thinking and culture and these gymnasias were basically I'm assuming is where we got the word gymnasium from where people would actually come together and they would talk about their thoughts and their philosophies which is very Greek and um, afterwards they would have a large bath there and everyone would be naked and get into the baths so obviously if these Jewish men would get in these baths and they were circumcised, they couldn't hide that. And I think that was actually kind of one of the kind of covert ways of Antiochus being able to see whether or not the Jewish you know, people were actually conforming to his new laws. And so obviously, if they found that they were circumcised, they would be executed. So I thought that that was kind of neat and something I did not know. Um, so when Antiochus's soldiers came to Modin, which is 20 miles north of, northwest of Jerusalem, to force the people there to disobey God, they encountered Mattathias and his five sons. Determined to remain faithful to the law, the Torah, they all refused to cooperate. When another Jewish priest stepped up to offer the sacrifice, Mattathias, filled with anger, leaped forward and killed first the priest and then the officer of the king. Calling on the faithful to join him, he and his sons fled into the mountains. Over the next two or three years, families deserted the cities and settled in the wilderness so that they could practice their faith. Thousands of men joined Mattathias to fight against the pagan oppressors. And I think what's amazing is so many people 
decided to leave the cities and live in the wilderness, that they only had to live in the wilderness for about three years. Now, I say only, I can't actually imagine living in the wilderness of Israel, but um, I can't imagine it was super pleasant. But it took them about three years to have enough people for them to fight against these pagan oppressors. Now, Judas Maccabeus, also known as Judah Maccabee, which means hammer, became the military leader of the resistance when his father died. He led many successful battles against the larger and larger armies that Antiochus sent. The Maccabees drove away the much larger Syrian army, as the Lord Adonai had said, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit or ruach, which you can find in Zechariah 4.6. Eventually, the Maccabean warriors were able to safely re-enter Jerusalem but found the temple area desecrated and desolate. The gates burned and some of the buildings torn down. Now, there's more to Hanukkah than this. And most people actually are more familiar with um, the story of oil, um, which actually is not found in the Bible or even in the Maccabees per se. However, it is found in the Talmud. Um, it says that when the Maccabees reclaimed the temple, only one small jug of consecrated oil was found enough to keep the temple lamp or menorah lit only one day. Miraculously, it lasted eight days while the priests prepared more sacred oil. This is the miracle of light that is so prominent in modern day celebrations, which is why I think most more people have actually heard that story than actually know anything about the Maccabees whatsoever. In fact, I didn't know anything about Maccabees until I became Messianic. Now, my aunt and uncle are Jewish and their children growing up I was familiar with some, but it was more of a childish understanding where basically my, you know, cousins told me, yeah, we get presents for eight nights and you guys only get presents for one. To be fair, they celebrated Hanukkah and Christmas, so they actually got presents for eight days and also on Christmas. But anyways, um, I digress. So that was really the only thing I understood about Hanukkah. And I know that there are a lot of people who are like, oh, like Hanukkah is just the Jewish version of Christmas. And it's like, no, that's not actually accurate. You know, um, Hanukkah has been around a lot longer than um, how we celebrate Christmas today. Now, um, one of the other things you have to think about with Hanukkah is obviously there's a menorah involved. Um, the menorah that they speak of in the temple in the Old Testament actually only had seven branches. Whereas the menorah for Hanukkah has nine branches. So there is a little bit of a difference there. And obviously the Hanukkah, which is what they call the menorah just for Hanukkah, is the nine branch menorah. And eight candles represent the eight days of Hanukkah. The ninth candle used in lighting the others is set above the other candles in the middle and is called the shamash or servant candle. So for us, I find it amazing that even in this the feasts that aren't even commanded by God, but that they celebrate, there's still Yeshua. So in all of the feasts of the Lord, if you look at them, each and every one has an aspect, an area where Yeshua is prevalent in the entire festival. The same is true for Hanukkah. So the servant candle or shamash reminds us that Yeshua came as a servant, setting an example for his followers. You can find that in Matthew 20, 26, and 28. 
The light reminds us that Yeshua is the light of the world. He tells us in John 12, 46, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. He told his followers that they also were to be lights to the world. So we use candles or lamps to remember the oil and its importance. Kings were anointed with oil. Priests were consecrated with oil. Messiah or Hamashiach and Christ both mean anointed one. Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, is our anointed king and high priest. Now, you can also find in John 8, verses 12, Yeshua is at the temple in Jerusalem, and he's speaking to the, the people, and the Pharisees are there as well. But he says to them, and you know, when you're in the temple, there's a menorah right there. So he could have been standing right by this menorah, and he says, Yeshua spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. The one who follows me will no longer walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Then the Pharisees said to him, you are testifying about yourself, so your testimony is not valid. Yeshua answered them, even if I testify about myself, my testimony is valid, for I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you don't know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh, but I do not judge anyone. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, because because it is not alone, but with uh, but I with the Father who sent me. Even in your Torah, it is written that the testimony of two men is true. I am one witness for myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness for me. Then they said to him, Where is your father? Yeshua answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would also know my father. He spoke these words in the treasury while teaching in the temple, but no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. To me, how amazing is that? You know, we are reminded that he is the light of the world, not only during Hanukkah, but also every Shabbat night when we light the candles, which is not a biblical um, tradition, but it is a good tradition. And it's a reminder that Yeshua is the light of the world and he has called us to also be lights unto the world. And I think that's so amazing that the Hanukkah um, festival, once again, there is God and Yeshua in the midst of it. So one of the other things that we do with our family is we play dreidel. Now, some may have a problem with that because there is a, you know, an aspect of gambling to it. Um, but it does go back to the history of the Maccabees. Because the story goes that in those dark days of oppression by the Syrians, when it was illegal to study the law or the Torah, people kept a betting game handy. So if a soldier walked in on them while they were studying God's word, they would show him the dreidel to prove they were only playing a game. And I thought that was awfully clever way of getting out of a rather sticky situation. The other thing they call, uh, they have, it's called giving of gelt. Now for us as a family, um, giving a gelt is kind of like the whole presence thing I was talking about before, but also during dreidel, we play with coins and the coins actually um, are chocolate. <laughs> They're gold cho covered chocolate. And um, our kids thoroughly enjoy that part of Hanukkah. And it's just a good time of family and fun and just sitting around the table and enjoying each other's company. So giving money to children is called giving of guilt. 
So the money was traditionally given to poor children so they could get a religious education, which is something I did not know. Um, with Christmas falling so close to Hanukkah, the giving of the other gifts has also become a custom, especially in the United States. So it's, it's obviously prevalent in the United States. It's not necessarily something that is done everywhere, but it is something that is um, really fun thing to do. So why an eight-day celebration? I believe it's because the cleansing and dedication, according to the law or the Torah, takes eight days. So it only makes sense that they would have this festival last for eight days because the whole purpose of Hanukkah is the Feast of Dedication. So the Feast of Dedication, what does that mean? It means that they would, especially when the Maccabees happened, they had to rededicate the temple. They had to rebuild the desecrated altar and build a new one of uncut stones according to the Torah. So they had to, after they did that, they rededicated the temple. So they cleaned it all out of everything that might be um, sinful or not of the Lord or what was not according to his commands. But now we know that being believers in Yeshua, that we are the temple of God. We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so during this time, it's a really good idea for us to think and go through ourselves and say, Lord, clean, clean, clean my heart. Take any unclean thing from me. I rededicate my life to you. And, you know, it's really important to do that during this time of year, but we should be doing that every single day of our walk with the Lord and asking him to be with us and guide us and lead us. Um, one of the um, other things I want to share with you is Bible readings. So in the Old Testament, um, the, read the readings are based on Jewish tradition, but there are some New Testaments in here. For example, John 9, 1 through 7 um, 10, 22 through 39. So this is the story of the blind man and Yeshua at the feast of dedication of Hanukkah. They actually do mention Hanukkah. If you read the tree of life version, they say Hanukkah. Sometimes they'll say the feast of dedication instead, but either way, you know, it's Hanukkah. So you know that Yeshua himself celebrated this feast. Number seven, one through 11, 84 through 88 is talking about the dedication of the tabernacle in the wilderness. Psalm 30, King David's song of dedication for the temple that Solomon would build. 2 Chronicles 7, 1 through 10, dedication of Solomon's temple. Ezra 6, 13 through 18, dedication of the second temple. In Daniel 8, 1 through 25, there's a prophetic passage fulfilled during the time of the Maccabees. In Psalms 115 to 118, songs of praise. So these are just kind of an example. I, I wish I could really go more in depth with this because with each feast, you really could do probably multiple podcasts about it, but I am trying to keep it around 20 minutes. Um, so if you have any questions or concerns or just want me to uh, pray for you or with you, please feel free to leave me a voicemail on anchor.fm forward slash Erica dash Lacasse or you can leave me a message on my website, which is MessyMessianicMama.com. Or you could also email me at ELMMM3 at ProtonMail.com. That's E is in Echo, L is in Lima, M is in Mike, M is in Mike, M is in Mike, the number three at ProtonMail.com. Now, I also know that this is a time that can be very difficult for some people because during the holidays when you lose family members it's always 
very difficult to continue on when you are struggling with a loss or even struggling with the remembrance of the loss. And I just want you to remember that God is always there for you. Yeshua is there for you. He is with you always and forever. And that he loves you and will not forsake you. Now, as I always do at the end of my podcast, I uh, read you. I speak to you and I speak the ironic blessing over you. And I want to go ahead and do that as well. Um, I'm not really sure what song I'm going to have at the end of this podcast. It's going to be a surprise even for me. I still haven't decided what I'm going to do. <laughs> but um, I hope that you enjoy it, whatever it is that I, uh, I throw out there. So, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. Bashem Yeshua, Sashalom, in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah. Amen. May you have a blessed week and have a happy Hanukkah.